Moms, you pumped up this morning? Happy Mother's Day. Y'all rock. Thank you for all you do. We're celebrating you today. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, those of you who are watching online, we're celebrating with you too. If you haven't already, please open your St. John app to follow along in sermon notes. We do have those ready for you. We are appropriately talking about rest today. We may or may not have planned this. <laughs> but we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It's short and sweet, so please, everybody, read with me. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ah, such a good one and a familiar one. So in order to talk about rest, we have to start from the very beginning. We have to go back to creation to see how God made rest for us, for us to participate in and discover and enjoy. So I want to visit Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. Now, when we initially think about creation in the seventh day, we would think that this would read, and he rested on the seventh day. But he actually created something first. He had something else that had to be created in order for the seventh day in creation to be complete. And that was manuha. Can you say that with me? Manuha. It means usually rest in Hebrew as it's interpreted, but it actually has a much deeper meaning. It means happiness, a deep, joyful stillness, peace, and harmony. I like to think of it as a perfect alignment of our souls to God. A perfect alignment of our soul to God. So, on each of the six days prior to the seventh day of creation, there was a phrase, and there was evening, and there was morning, and there was evening, and there was morning. But we don't find that on the seventh day, because everything was done. Everything was completed. So we all know that this number seven is a very important number. In order to have completion in this seven-day creation story, you have to have rest. In order for it to be perfect, we have to have rest. And so God created this. He, he created this earth, this beautiful creation, and this manuha for everyone to enjoy. But we know what happened. Sin enters the scene. We mess things up. And labor enters, this hard toil that we have to do with the earth and in the earth in order for us to live lives. And because of this, because sin had entered the scene, they were exiled. They were exiled into a wilderness. They were living amongst the Egyptians. They were slaves, working every single day and never having rest. The Egyptians' culture was very much work, 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 more, more, more. But that was not what God intended for his people. His people needed to have time with him. So he delivers them out of Egypt and he gives them a commandment. Even before they get to the promised land of where they were going, he commands them to rest. Six days you work, one day you rest. One day you spend with me. I am the one that gives you rest. Now this restorative time, this seven, as I've mentioned, is such an important thing to people. Because in order for anything to be complete, there has to be 
that rest, as I've mentioned. So God gives them the Sabbath to commemorate, to look at the true rest they will one day have, but also he's given them seven festivals, seven festivals to celebrate, to remember, to think about the things that God has done and will do. And then every seven years, the debt was paid and forgiven. Those who had been held captive were liberated and set free. And even for one whole year, on the seventh year, the land rested. Can you imagine the work that went into that sixth year of preparing for that seventh year where you had to give the land rest and you could not work with it? And then, of course, the biggest year, the year of Jubilee that happened every seven times seven years, where everything was celebrated to have been restored. Debts forgiven. Captives set free. You are well. Everything is as it should be in the year of Jubilee. You're starting over. All of these things, all of these important uh, festivals and days of Sabbath were given to the people to remember, to celebrate the true rest that someday they will have when the Creator and His creation are together for good. But they make it to the promised land, and what happens? They mess up again. They sin again. There's corruption. They're serving other gods again. And again, they're exiled until Jesus. Jesus changes everything. And I want to visit a portion of Jesus' time here on earth when he's in the synagogue and he's handed the scroll to read words from Isaiah. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This was the time when Jesus dropped the mic. This had been read before in the synagogue, but no one had ever said, Oh yeah, and I'm the dude that's doing all of this. I'm the Lord. I'm bringing the Lord's favor. He's fulfilling the prophecy. And Jesus didn't come to wipe out all the festivals. He didn't come to wipe out the feast or even the Sabbath. No, Jesus embodies those. Jesus is our celebration. Jesus is where we find restoration and redemption. And Jesus is most certainly where we find our rest. Rest has been a vital part of our relationship with God and the world since the very beginning. And it still is today. There is so much for us to learn from the history of the Sabbath. So much that God tries to teach us throughout Scripture about rest and how important it is. And we have to remember that it's even a commandment in the Ten Commandments. The fourth one, keep the Sabbath day holy. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we find this rest? What is God trying to teach us today? about rest and about Sabbath and about commemorating this true rest that we find through Jesus. Well, God knows best. He knows what's best for us. And what's best for us is to step away from the ways, the things, the stuff that we live day in and day out. We need a break. And I'm not talking about the kind of break 
it requires physical sleep or vegging out in front of the TV or even putting your phone in another room so that you can have a break from it, while that's all well and good, we have to step away from the world and step towards God. We hit pause on the time of the world so that we can take time to enter into God's time. And this is a radical ask. I get it. With stuff and activities and meetings and appointments, our days are filled. We are busy. But we'll trick ourselves, too. We'll say, well, when I get my inbox empty, I'll spend time with God. When the kids go to bed, I'll read my Bible and I'll pray. When my kids go to college, then I'll be able to have some life back. And I'll be able to really give God what he requires of me. I'll be able to join that small group that I never had time to before. We'll be able to truly rest when all these things get done. Once all these things get done, that's when I'll do this. And all those boxes are checked. But friends, you know as well as I do, there's always going to be more to do. There's always going to be things that we can spend our money on, that we can spend our time on, that we can do. We live very much in a culture as the Egyptians were in, that the Israelites were slaves under. More, more, more. Produce more, achieve more, control more, eat more, drink more, have more wealth, have more power, bigger and better. Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote a great book called The Sabbath, and he says this, Six days a week, we wrestle with the world, bringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. I could spend a whole sermon unpacking this phrase. In Joshua Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel, while he is Jewish, and he has breathed a lot of life into the Torah for the Jewish people, He speaks so much truth to us today through this phrase. We cannot experience full life, whole life in Jesus. We cannot be disciples who are seeking God and sharing who God is unless we practice rest. Because in rest, we cultivate the seed of eternity that is planted within us. Now, I'm unfortunately not going to tell you that you need to take more vacation time, that you need to sleep more. Bob, you back there awake? Checking on you. Okay, he's good. Even during sermon time. I get it. I'm not going to tell you to take more naps or, you know, detach or go to the beach or the mountains or the lake, whatever brings you relaxation, even though I will tell you, yes, you need to take more PTO. Use that stuff up. That's what it's there for. But that's not what God is trying to tell us. He's not trying to say, even though I get that you feel God's presence more when you're at the mountains or the lakes or the beach, I get that. I do too. The goal is to feel God's presence in the here and now, in the chaos, in the busyness, in the life, in the running from baseball practice to soccer practice to gymnastics to dance studio to band practice to meeting to meeting, task to task. All the life that we live is to seek and feel God's presence, the peace he brings, the rest he brings in the midst of all of that life happening. 
David White, who is a poet, had a conversation with a monk named Brother Rast. And as they sit down to this conversation, David looks at him and he's like, hey, tell me about exhaustion. Brother Rast comments really quickly, you know, the antidote to exhaustion isn't necessarily rest. And David was confused by that, plus he was tired, and he took a minute to go, I don't even know how to respond to this. What's this guy talking about? So he says, the antidote to exhaustion isn't necessarily rest, then what is it? And Brother Rast replies, the antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. What is that? Well, first of all, it's a whole sermon. <laughs> Actually, it's a whole sermon series. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you a whole other hour to go through it. But we could. Wholeheartedness is this beautiful concept that we could unpack and truly discover who we are meant to be in God. But I'll tell you this about it. We're all seeking it. Every day we wake up, we're looking for it. Everywhere we can look for it, wherever we can find it, we're looking for wholeheartedness. But we're not going to find it, even though we're knocking our jobs and our careers out of the park, even though that's a good thing. We won't find it, even though our bank accounts or our savings account have plenty of cushion. We won't find it, even though our houses are filled with all kinds of stuff, we have the best cars, or our kids are participating in all the fun activities. We won't find it there. C.S. Lewis says this about it. The more we get what we now call ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. We've heard a lot over the last year and even years before that that we're divided. There's so much division in our country, in our churches, in our communities, everywhere. We're just divided. And while that's concerning, I think the bigger concern is the division we feel within ourselves. We're struggling, we're running in so many different directions to meet the expectations. We set goals, we achieve goals, we get new goals. Life happens, another ball is thrown into the 30 that we're already trying to juggle in the air and do well. All the while, our bodies are tired and fatigued, our brains are overwhelmed and we're foggy, we're confused, we're forgetful, we can't keep things straight. Our hearts are weary and disconnected and our souls, at the end of the day, are sad. Just sad. Because they're experiencing us running and trying to grab whatever quick fulfillment, instantaneous satisfaction we can find in the moment. The hamster wheel continues to spin, and we continue to run. Never truly experiencing wholeness and true rest. So let's visit our scripture again, this time from the message. Are you tired and worn out? It's like Jesus is here speaking to us right now, isn't he? Yes, I am. Are you burned out on religion? Maybe. I don't know what to do. There's so many do's and don'ts and judgment out there and cans and cannots and haves and haves. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting it all wrong. I want to get it right, but I don't know. Maybe we are burned out. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Get away, and you'll recover your life. 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's my favorite line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is a passage we need to say to ourselves every single day to remember that Jesus is there for this. For this. And as a doer, I love all the action words in it. Because we actively participate in rest by seeking Jesus, by seeking his presence, by watching how he does it, by learning. And it's not easy to learn. Anybody ever tried to meditate and just let your mind shut off? Oh, well, I've got to go do this. Oh, nope, sorry. I'm focusing on my presence. Oh, I've got to go feed the kids. Oh, nope, I've, Chrissy's got them. Okay, I'm coming back. Our mind is just overwhelmed with all these thoughts, and it's so hard to just quiet our brains. It's so hard to do that. Just focus on your breath, they say. Really? I'm starting to breathe heavy because of all the things I'm not doing right now. It's so difficult to learn this practice of rest, but it's essential. And another reason why it's so hard is because we live in a culture where it's an expectation. I mean, you ever heard these, con- these one-up conversations? Oh, I got six hours of sleep last night. Oh, yeah? I got four. Oh, yeah, I got that beat. I got two. Or, you know, the expectation of work. Man, I had to work 45 hours this week. I worked 50. I got you both beat. I mean, I worked 60, and I still got more work to do. There's this expectation that it's a good thing to be overworked, overtired, and busy. And I have lived that. I have wanted to be busy, 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 and I've loved it. I love being busy. I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not. Jesus is telling me, come to me. You need rest. We need rest. And moms, I say this to y'all, moms, moms, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to ask for a break. It's okay to say every day that you need your time. And you know what? It's okay to want it. The mom guilt, it's hard, I know. It's hard. Well, my kids are going to be missing me, or I'm not going to be doing this, or it's not going to be done right. I love you, Chris, but you can't do it the way I do it. It's a struggle. We have all this going in our heads. You know we do, Mom. But you know what? What does Jesus say? Watch me and learn. When we make time for ourselves, when we hold that space for us to rest with God, our kids will see that. And they'll see how important it is. They'll see it's a priority, and they'll desire to do the same thing. Our lives depend on us taking and holding a space for Sabbath, for Manuha. For Shabbat. My professor in seminary, Chuck DeGrode, if you're interested in wholeheartedness, I suggest you read his book. It's called Wholeheartedness. He says, the answer is closer to you than you are. Your deepest life is already dwelling within. Your deepest life is there for you to feast upon. Fountains of living water are there to drink from. Jesus didn't fulfill all the prophecies 
He didn't die on a cross, and he's not been resurrected for us to follow more rules or have more guidelines or add to the burdens that we already have. That's not what Jesus came for. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a hard practice, finding rest, but Jesus makes it easier. He makes it easier because his spirit lives within each of us. We have direct connection to him all the time, always. But in order to truly feel it, in order to truly plug into it and allow us to feel rested, we have to pause and we have to be present. We have to truly disconnect completely from the world and all the stuff that's in it, all the expectations, even the time, and deeply, completely connect to God, his time, his ways, his word. Jesus is where we find our true rest for our souls. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your presence. You love us so deeply, and you're within us. All that you offer us is ours. We simply have to be present to it, knowing that it's within us, that you are abiding there when we abide in you. God, you love us so deeply, and we know that we miss this. We know we do, because we all are exhausted. We know we are. God, we want wholeheartedness. We want true rest. We want to have the energy to do the things that you have called us to do, to be the people that you have called us to be. We want to discover who we are in you. God, help us. Help us to find that space. Help us to make that a priority in our lives so that we can truly experience you wholly and fully. God, we love you and we praise you. And we lift these things to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we're going to sing one of my favorite songs of all time. And I want to invite you to take the space. Dwell with God. Really acknowledge his presence within you, knowing that it unlocks any and everything that you could need. So we invite you to worship in whatever way you want. You can sit, stand, praise, kneel and pray, however you feel led. Just worship God. Thank him for who he is and for who he will always be. And know that it truly is well with your soul because God 